Before I begin today's show, I want to mention the very important Wildlife Ranger Challenge, September 18th in Africa. Run with Rangers, race for wildlife. Hashtag for Wildlife Rangers. Ranger teams from 20 African countries are joining forces in the Wildlife Ranger Challenge to support thousands of their colleagues as they brace for an increase in poaching. Wildlife rangers see no relief in sight as the COVID-19 pandemic continues to impact Africa's communities and wildlife. In 2020, the Wildlife Ranger Challenge was mobilized. You can register to walk or run virtually with thousands of wildlife rangers from across Africa, along with Olympic medalists and celebrities like Alexander Draymond of Netflix's The Last Kingdom. Donate to the fund or donate to your favorite protected area. Dozens and dozens of national parks in Africa and reserves are part of this global awareness campaign fundraiser. All donations will be matched by the Scheinberg Relief Fund. This is September 18th. September 18th is coming up. Help our wildlife rangers. Go to wildliferangerchallenge.org. Your positive, positive, positive imprint. 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 Stories are everywhere. People and their positive action inspire positive achievements. Your PI could mean the world to you. Get ready for your positive imprint. Hello, this is Catherine, your host of the podcast, Your Positive Imprint, the variety show featuring people all over the world whose positive actions are inspiring positive achievements. Exceptional people rise to the challenge. Music by the talented Chris Knoll. Check out his music and learn more about his awesome background, Chris Knoll. Dot com. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Your Positive Imprint. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Check out my YouTube channel, Your Positive Imprint, and my website, YourPositiveImprint.com, where, of course, you can sign up for newsletter updates, learn more about the podcast, and even go shopping. I have designed an eco-tote bag regarding today's show, Justice for Nature. Free shipping worldwide through October 5th. I can certainly use your support. Go to yourpositiveimprint.com. Your Positive Imprint. What's your PI? The declining state of affairs for our environment worldwide means that we need to come together, work together with other people and other governments. We cannot turn back time but we can move forward with conservation and preservation. My guest uses the word rewild to sometimes describe her initiative and that of Justice for Nature, Forest for Children. Elena Bendova is from Czech Republic, which is where Justice for Nature is rooted. Their vision seeks a balance between human civilization and nature through active preservation of the environment and animals. Elena Bendova shares her positive imprints and the organization's international vision, which opens the door to the wide public to take responsibility and also an active role in saving nature and animal species on the planet Earth. We started our activities in 2009 
and with project in Sumatra, in Indonesia, on, on Sumatra Island, it's province uh, North Sumatra, on the border with the Gunung Closer National Park or this Loser ecosystem, which people might know from, for example, from Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, movie Before the Flood. It was uh, partly <laughs> shooted there. And there in this area, we are buying land to protect rainforest and rewild the areas which were palm oil plantations or some other destroyed areas and because it's on the border with the uh, with wilderness with the uh, primary forest the forest and the nature it's taking the the area really quickly so it's really great to see that uh, it actually is working that we are protecting the the, the area that it's thriving and in this uh, area, we have the land of a size uh, 190 hectares and it's a private reserve, green life. And in there we do anti-poaching patrols. Our commando, our, our guys are locals, Indonesians, and some of them are former poachers, actually. So this is uh, great to see that people can actually change and we can give them opportunity to make their living uh, in a fair way, in some way that uh, gives sense and it's good for community, for nature and for their families as well. So this is, uh, this is the part in Indonesia, the Green Life Project. We, of course, we, we work with the local community, wider community. And the main species there, the, the umbrella species, is uh, Sumatran tiger, critically endangered species, and orangutans, uh, elephants, and so on. The last year we had this uh, conflict with local people with tigers, so maybe I can talk about it later. But we just spread our activities into this anti-conflict team, and we solved the, the situation. Um, you mentioned orangutans. And you also mentioned palm oil. Yes. Palm oil is an edible vegetable oil from the fruit of oil palm trees. Unfortunately, this tree is replacing other trees and vegetation. Palm oil is used in many products. Read the ingredients on the back of your packages. Biofuels are made from palm tree oil as well. The problem with this has been the heavy deforestation and destruction of our biodiverse forests, which were habitats for the endangered orangutan, the rhino, and so many other animals, not to mention the greenhouse gases going into our atmosphere. So what can you do, and what can Justice for Nature and Elena Bendova do? Well, the, the question of palm oil, this industry, it's, uh, it's so big so far and didn't have a chance to do some bigger impact on this. What we do is education of people, local people, children, and we are showing them the way first the children, it's a paradox. They live on the border with a beautiful ecosystem and beautiful park, and they don't even go there. They are afraid and they don't know the value of it all. So we are opening their eyes and spread the awareness into local people about this treasure they have and about the necessity to protect it at any cost. We see the way and we are trying to give them this opportunity or just suggest them this way. We see the way in like sustainable ecotourism. We saw it in, in Costa Rica and they're pretty successful after 30 years of this way. 
we can see it's, it's working and there the and costa rican economy is based on ecotourism this is how it should be because it's helping the preservation and people are actually interested to see those ecosystems so it's important to make this transition but in indonesia it's way harder and this uh, palm oil industry is uh, it's too big so for people in in all around the world they can just do the boycott of the palm oil products or some products containing palm oil sure. but still it's the huge question because most of the palm oil is used for biofuels so it's a matter of big businesses to to change this and i hope that this might start from some enlightening of, of individuals and it might get up to upper levels of these businesses it's a huge topic and huge challenge which we can fight by ourselves because we are only a small ngo and this is a huge business and most of the palm oil is used in biofuels so it's a matter of politics and national economies and everything and in this case the big businesses the players the corporates are involved normal people or regular people can maybe boycott the the companies using the palm oil use boycott the, the products and i through this education we do i always uh, suggest people to prefer local things and some eco things and maybe consume less of, of all things and what we do in for local community we offer the awareness of uh, the value of the forest that it's bigger actually than the palm oil plantation if they destroy the forest it's gone forever and it's a big loss because they can have money they can make money through the environmentally friendly tourism ecotourism and they can make a lot of money for years and for the future but once you, you cut the, the forest, put there the palm oil trees, and it's just the palm oil trees, they're producing the, the nuts only, I don't know, 20 years maximum or something like this. And after that, it's all for nothing. You know, it's this, uh, this quick, quick profit principle, and it's a shame to do it like this. So we are trying to get involved those local people more into this way, into this ecotourism, as we saw it in, in Costa Rica, for example. Because of this pandemic, people lost their jobs or opportunities. And of course, the tourism in Indonesia is so far, even these days, it's closed. So those people are looking for some opportunities, how to earn money. And it's a worldwide problem. These local communities are doing more poaching activities. So that's a really bad side effect of this situation. This situation brought so many wrong and, and bad side effects on a nature protection. Those people need money and rangers, for example, they don't have uh, full salaries or they were cut off from, from their job for the, because of the situation. And those problems, poaching, smuggling, and you know, illegal logging, it's all just in a bigger scale. Through the pandemic, it went to crazy, crazy big level. And even in our area, because of course we are in some little area in this province next to ours on the border with this national park as well. It's a couple of days back when they found that tigers there, you know, poached tigers. Oh, no. It's just uh, so, so wrong and uh, so many people just don't know this cause 
and this uh, effect of this pandemic. So people are, are lack of money, so they going back to do more illegal activities. So this is why this situation is uh, even worse for nature. Of course, there are some good things because there is not, not uh, such a huge amount of tourists and travelers, so the nature can have a little break from it. But on the other side, it's not protected that well. And this is the thing. We tried to have the patrols and all the activities on the same level, but we are fighting the financing as well these months. As the poaching is on a rise, those people were uh, killing even pigs and deer for their food, which means that they killed food for tigers. And tigers were moving closer to villages and to these uh, habited areas. And uh, some local farmers, they got their cows, but they don't uh, have any shelters for them or some place where to, to close them. So they keep the cows uh, only tied on a rope by the tree on a, on a border of it national park where tiger live, uh, lives. So we were solving uh, this tiger conflict. I guess it was one or two. They were killing cows and of course people went mad and they had uh, this economical damage. So they were mad. And for this reason, our Tiger Commando started to work as an as anti-conflict team to solve the situation. We raised money for first for, of course, for the education of the farmers, because we needed to give them all the information and all the context that it's not easy just to kill the tiger and problem solved. So we needed to deal with the situation and calm the community and bring the solution. So we did the shelter for the cows and the fence so they can put uh, the kettle in it for the night. And uh, since we did this campaign or actions, the tiger went back to the forest and there were no, no more killings. So this was, for example, one result of, of our activities. And it was connected with this uh, COVID situation and, and this uh, rise of uh, poaching activities and everything. So this was one really hard situation for the tigers and for us as well. Elena, I am so glad that you had the money, the funds to build the fence and to help the farmers with the shelter. And I think that when you reach out, when any organization reaches out to a community that is not understanding or not able to help themselves because of economic detriment, they will in turn, I would hope in turn, dedicate more of their time to your organization through word of mouth and educating others around them so that people do understand that the work you're doing is helpful. And you're right taking care of one tiger doesn't solve the problem. The solution was to keep all of the tigers away and getting the cattle sheltered. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing that. I'm just so sad because the job you were doing, you were moving forward. And then of course the pandemic hit. So with the government, I know that you weren't able to work or you can't really work with the government of Indonesia. Uh, and that's still the case today, right? 
yeah it's it's really hard this thing is really hard because there's no such a will to cooperate on these things and as there is a poverty in indonesia they might be easily corrupted so this is something we are we are still fighting all those i don't know 10 plus years it's uh, the will of, of people because on one on one way they see you as opportunity and as a we say like a walking wallet <laughs> <laughs> that's not and how i would want you to be seen but yes you're right so it's just the thing there they have uh, big expectations we, we just can open door for them and they need to do it by themselves and this is hard because they don't have this morality or to work or to work harder because they don't need to for some people or even officers in some state bureaus it's it's you know extra work so this is really hard in indonesia of course there are good people there uh, hard working a couple of them we have as uh, colleagues and they're volunteers uh, journalists for example so those people are active but the state level of the nature protection it's really hard it's really hard to get them involved more yeah you mentioned morals how do you instill morals with regard to the environment and wildlife when you're in a, a country where there is such economic turmoil it's just people need to understand first and then see maybe some uh, profit let's say even if it's that we are educating their children so they have maybe some better opportunities for future and they're smarter we are trying to do it through kids because kids bring this knowledge into the families and we saw it on some example in costa rica again that one one amazing lady she's a sea biologist and she started to do this project with a program for kids from fishermen's families and they took them on a boat on the sea for snorkeling and those kids they were, of course, they were afraid first, and but after they tried, they were so excited. They were, I can't des describe it as, as she told us, it, she was so amazed that with the fact they were excited that those fish are colorful and they are moving actually, and that all the ecosystem is colorful and beautiful. And they never saw it. They saw fish only on ice, dead or on a plate. So this, this was the change. And they brought the change or the, the experience and the change into their families. And some of those parents, the fishermen dads, they started to work with the project actually, and they quit fishing at all. So those are the beautiful examples how through kids, you can bring the values. These kids can grow up with these values instilled and these experiences, but then when they get older, something happens, whether it be their economic hardship or something, and then it just, they totally change and they become, not all of them, of course. And I think that what you mentioned today with economics, I think that's really a key player in 
the future of the planet environmentally for animals and for us, and how are we going to provide an economic, sustainable Earth is just going to be decade after decade of going in there and saving the tiger. There's listeners out there that, that have ideas, and I certainly would want them to work their positive imprints with these governments for change. So is there anything else about the rangers or anything that you wanted to share about Indonesia? Yeah, I can mention the, the Blue Life Project, which is on the... Pulau Banyak Islands, uh, close to Sumatra. And we have second base camp and we have a second patrol for the sea activities and this protecting of sea or marine life. And this project suffered the most from the lack of fundings, more expensive for the gas and for everything, so for the equipment. So that's where we needed to cut our activities. But meantime, we had time for repairings of the camps because as the Indonesia is closed, uh, our vo volunteers are not coming and not helping. And our camps why were... Why aren't they able to come out and help right now? Is it because of the uh, pandemic? Yes, because Indonesia is closed for foreigners, for tourists. Okay, okay. So, so most of the volunteers that go are outside of Indonesia. Yes, our volunteers are mainly Czech and Slovak people coming from Europe to, to work there in our reserve or on our, on our programs, but they can't. It's the whole year, actually, we lost, I don't know, more than a million crowns and it really hurt uh, the, the programs and we needed to just cut it to the core of, of our activities. We needed to stop, for example, securing of the turtle nests on uh, Bankaru Island because it's far and it takes a lot of money to, to get there and everything. So this is what we needed to stop. So we have news or, or information that there's uh, poaching going on again. And we needed to cut the waste program, the garbage program for the villages because as we collected all the rubbish we take it always on a boat with volunteers to the main island to a landfill or for recycling this is stopped for now or on a minimal level we still provide villagers there some bags but we are not able to keep it running this program but the good thing is we started through pandemic the education there again for kids from those communities. At least we can continue in this activity. And it's through our co colleagues and volunteers who are Indonesians, Indonesian teachers. So this is great. This is uh, running. So still on the track with education. But for the ranger or for patrol actions, it's a bad situation now. So this is a, a pity. We, need, we really need to get some more fundings. We are trying to do some campaigns in Czech Republic for fundraising, for people to donate even a little amount of money, you know, $5 or something, but monthly. This makes a huge difference. So obviously issues with COVID. And I know worldwide... Nonprofit organizations' funding has gone down because people aren't 
so many people are not working steadily as what they were before COVID. And so it's, and then it's hitting the wildlife in ways that I never even thought uh, really. So I'm, I'm very glad that you're bringing this all to our attention. So do you send the teachers information? Do you provide resources to them so that they can teach the students? How do the teachers provide the education to the kids in school? Well, we don't have any uh, educational program or scripts or, or some books. We just started with the, those teachers. We gave them the information and uh, motivation and all the package of, of the knowledge and what they should share with the kids and give, tell the kids. But they already know it. that's why they are doing this job. We can provide them a little money for some material or for their work, but it's still it's half, half volunteering. We are supporting it. We are supporting it with some little fundings to keep this, uh, this project and program running. You're still volunteer coordinator for <laughs> Justice for Nature, and you are still the PR person, and you're still the fundraiser, even though you have seen and felt this downfall of all of the work you put in and that your organization put in since 2009 when it's feeling so low some of those days. What keeps you going? So what can you share with listeners to keep them motivated and to bring motivation and high attitude? They call it environmental grief. When you're just depressed by all these situations and big problems you possibly can't change and help. Well, it's still there. Our reserve is there. And we have our owners and uh, people who trust us and, and the local people. We can't let it all down because of some virus or something, some disease, which we have a full living planet of all organisms and diseases. We, we can't lose this. We play for everything, for our future, for those beautiful creatures, the orangutans and tigers. So we can't, we just can't stop. We need to continue and we are very lucky we find this extraordinary man i want to mention uh, his name is uh, zbigniew he's uh, czech but he's living five years already in uh, indonesia and he's looking after uh, the programs there and the green life reserve and he's the boss for the patrols and all the programs so to him goes huge credit he, he decided to sell all his stuff one day because he it's, it's a beautiful story actually he he went for our volunteer program 2016 or 15 and he came back and he realized that he wanted change in his world in his life and this beautiful nature it's actually something he want to live for so he so sold all his stuff and moved into indonesia and he live he lives there for five years until these days and he's really doing his best and it, it's his life you know so this uh, colleague of mine this Benek, i really want to thank him or or put him in this podcast here because it's a huge credit of his to take care about all the programs and 
it's the thing that he's not working for money you know he's just uh, he's just living there and it's a kind of a thing of it's our attitude to this who for us who are close to the core or who are leading this project once you see through this we call it simply the matrix and you find the true values the beauty of nature the necessity of protecting it because all the artificial things can't measure the, way the beauty and magic of wilderness and wild nature. So once you see it, you can't go back. That's why. Even if you don't have much to eat or, <laughs> for example, me, uh, here now, this broadcasting, it's from my mom's flat. Because for these days, I needed to really to save money. So I needed to, for some months, come back home. We are all struggling this situation, but we can just quit this activity no matter what. And I can continue the founder, Milan and Zuzana, they just live this really modest life, but they're traveling, they're filming, they're, they have a couple months of work and education as a business. And then couple months for this work in the field, filming, cutting all the movies, hard work in the field with the rangers and, and everything. And they just don't get paid for this. You know, it's, I just wanted to men mention it because we do this work and it's important because we are people, we are just not some kind of entity. We are people who's, who are, who's behind this project and it's not always easy. It's mostly hard and it's really a struggle for example for me to to get the funds for the projects but we are all of us we are trying to get the funds but for me the hardest part is to see how billions millions and i don't know all the money of the world are just you know circling around businesses business must uh, run you know and everything but if I compare the amount of money with which we are working and can make such a huge things, it's just nothing. It's a drop in the ocean of all those money for those businesses and for those luxury things people are buying. This sometimes makes me sad because donations to us come from middle, lower and middle class people. This is for me the, the hardest part, and it's a matter of values. For me, it's an endless question how to bring values to those people to understand. But unfortunately, I think it's only the experience. So. <laughs> no, I think you're reaching more people than you think. Elena, you're amazing. And I'm so glad that you mentioned your colleague over in Indonesia. And say his name one more time. His name is Zbigniew Grabek. I appreciate him and I appreciate, of course, your founders. You have so much more to talk about and to share and so many more inspiring words to bring to the listeners that we're going to hear about Costa Rica and your new initiative next yeah. week before we end the segment on Indonesia and Justice for Nature and the Blue-Green initiatives. You have already provided us with amazing, inspiring words, but I certainly don't want to end without asking you if you have any other inspiring words that you want to share at this time again. 
Thank you for this ending. One of the main objectives of uh, our project is to inspire people, to activate people, to bring them the awareness and the, the right values. And we have some ethical rules and some ethics we are trying to spread through the education. And we do education not only for kids, but for adults and for public as well. We are open for everybody, for everyone to join and help by their abilities or possibilities, whether it's money or time or skill. So I, I really wish to inspire people. We are not arrogant in this thing that we can change the world and save all and save everything, but we want to be like an example for people that even if you're small, even if you don't have much money, you can do good things for nature and for the future generations and for animals, for the wilderness. This is the main value we should understand and accept. And with a good will, I think there, there might be magical big things happening. Elena, even with your environmental grief, you are providing justice for nature. And I thank you so much for sharing your positive imprints. And listeners, you can go to learn more about Elena and the program, justicefornature.org. Thank you so much. And remember September 18th, Run With Rangers, Race for Wildlife. And join me next Monday for part two with Elena Bendova, The Rewild of Costa Rica. Your positive imprint, what's your PI?